Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I don't want to linger too long tonight, but I do feel like that I have something to share with you. And I want to talk to you uh, on tonight about why we must be a multi-generational church. Why we must be. I don't think that it is an option, but it is uh, out of a mandate and necessary for us to be a multi-generational church. Of 250 Protestant churches in America, 250,000, 200,000 are either stagnant with no growth or they are declining. That's 80% of the churches in America. 4,000 churches close their doors every single year. There's less than half of the number of churches today that there were 100 years ago. 3,500 people leave the church every single day. Since 1950, there are one-third fewer churches in America than there were then. A recent survey that startled me is this that those that were surveyed that were born between 1981 and 1996, 25 to 40 years old, 48% of them uh, in that generation said they did not believe in God, they was not interested in God, and they didn't care anything about God. Just a few uh, facts tonight to just simply say we need an awakening in America. The only hope for America is to see a great awakening. And in order to have a great awakening, the church must unify. I've never seen, Pastor, a, a spirit that has targeted not only our nation but the world to divide us, to divide us against uh, between cultural barriers ethnic barriers, economic barriers, whatever you want to talk about, however the enemy can do it, he is doing it in this season to try to divide us because he knows the power of unity. Unity, where there is unity, becomes the commanded blessing of God. And unity is one of the hardest things to get and it is even harder to keep. And the biggest threat to the church tonight is not without. Our biggest enemy is not the government. It is not drugs. It is not ISIS. The enemy that we are dealing with and need to be concerned about today, the bigger threat is this, is that when we become ununited, because whenever we are ununited, the enemy can divide us. And if he can divide us, then he can stop us. And one of the greatest barriers that I believe that he is working and doing, using today is that of generational barriers. For the most part, we have allowed the enemy to divide us into a couple of generational barriers, one of them being the traditional church and the contemporary church. The traditional church is mostly known for older generation while the contemporary church is known more for younger generation and and the enemy has us at war with one another. 
and we see that we have heard the older generation as they have cried out and they say, we need to go back to what we used to do. And we need to, for there to be a move of God, we have to do what we used to do. And there's another group that is saying that the revival is going to come through the younger generation. And so we need to embrace the younger generation. Who is right? I would submit to you both. Until the un when there is unity between the young and the old, until there is a unity in generations where we do not allow our, our uh, opinions and what we enjoy to separate us, but we come together, we will never see an awakening. But I declare to you tonight that the moment that there is unity in the house of God, the White House will not stop it. Government will not stop it. No one will be able to stop the move of God when there is unity in the house of God. If you believe that, give him praise tonight. In Genesis chapter 17 in verse 7, he says this. He says, I... And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Amen. Amen. God makes this covenant with Abraham, his seed, and generations to come. Right? Let's go to verse, uh, chapter 22, Genesis 22 and verse 17. In verse 17, he says this, Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sands which are on the seashores, and your descendants, not you, but your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies, and your seed and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed the voice of God. So don't make the mistake of thinking that God made this covenant just with Abraham. But when God made a covenant, he made this covenant. It was not just with a man, but it was with multiple generations. He was speaking to God makes this covenant with Abraham his seed and generations to come. God gave Abraham a promise and he gave him this promise and sometimes we, we get a little carried away because we think if God gives us something, it ought to be instantaneous, right? Because we're, we're used to microwave food and we're used to instant potatoes and we're used to having things now right away. But God gives Abraham this covenant and it is three generations before he ever sees it come to pass. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has two sons. One of them is named Jacob. And he has 12 sons and that in the third generation starts the fulfillment of the promise of God. The promise that goes with the covenant that says through your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Amen. We need all generations to have a healthy church. I know Bethel believes this. I said we need all generations to have a healthy church. Amen. When you look at the Bible, great things and times of pivotal shift never happen until generations come together. 
You look at David and you see that David uh, was a, a, a fighter and he would fight so his son Solomon could come and build. David fought the lion. He fought the bear. He fought Goliath. He fought the Philistines. David fought the battles so Solomon could, wouldn't have to. Now Solomon finds himself in a place because of David fighting where the Bible says he became very rich. It also said, and God has given them rest on every side. It was because David was such a worshiper and such a warrior. At the same time, you knew not to mess with David because, you see, he would come at you with a slingshot and take you out. And whenever he took you out, he wasn't going to stop until he got your four brothers because he was bad. He was a worshiper, and he knew how to make war. Amen? And you, 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 you shouldn't mess with David thinking that if you go behind his back and burn his city down and take his family, that he's going to fall over in a heap and give up. No, David's going to pursue, and he's going to recover all. In fact, he's not just going to recover all, but he is going going to take Zion. He is going to take Z Jerusalem. He's going to take the land of the Philistines and drive them all out. Why? Because David is a warrior. His generation knew how to make war so his son coming behind him would not have to fight but would live in a time of rest. Hallelujah. Now I tell you tonight that every generation is different but David was willing to fight the fight so Solomon could build the temple where the glory of God would fill the house and no one would be able to stand. Amen. Those You see, we have a generation that has gone on before us and even are fading off of the scene tonight that some people don't appreciate, but they were fighters. They were warriors. They would, they would begin to, they would fight you over anything. Is it not true? They would fight you because they, they had a warring spirit. They had a militant spirit and people didn't understand them and they would call them outcasts. They would call them holy rollers. They would look down on them. They would push them out of the city. They would meet on the other side of the tracks. Amen. But they were willing. They would meet in a tent. They would meet in a rundown building. They would worship God without air conditioning or heating. They would do it all because they weren't ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were willing to pay the price so that my generation and your generation might be able to come up in a beautiful evidence like this and worship God without shame and without reservation and say he is mighty good. Hallelujah. Amen. You see, we, we have to understand that we're running on the heels of another generation that has prepared the way for us. Amen. They didn't have educated preachers that went to Bible school, but they knew how to preach the word of God. They didn't have musicians that knew how to read music, but they could bring the glory of God into the house. They didn't have children's ministry. My God. Amen. We, when children's ministry was a, a, a puppet, was a sock. And you know they didn't invest very much because in, they had those flannel graphs, right? Anybody remember them growing up? And they had one body and three heads. Isn't it true? I mean, David would lose his head and they'd put Moses on there. And 
and Jesus, you know they didn't invest, but, but we are investing. But we, you, you, Bethel invest in their generations because we understand, the, but they didn't have all of that. They didn't have children's church. Children's church, when me and pastor was growing up, was sitting in front of your parents, and if you did anything, they was anointed to bop you in the head. Amen. We've come a mighty long ways, baby. Amen. They didn't have sight and sound like we had here tonight. I was sitting there on that front row admiring that sound system in this place. Wow. Glory to God. And all of those lights, it was wonderful. It was glorious. But the old church didn't have none of that. But they knew how to call on the name of Jesus. They knew how to believe the word of the Lord and said this word, I believe every word that is in this book and I believe it belongs to me. Amen. And if you can heal them then, you can heal me now and I expect you to do something for me. Amen. I'm telling you just a little bit after the turn of the century, the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon a one-eyed black man who was an ex-slave. Amen. And he, he stood and challenged the people and said, you must be saved and after you are saved he said you need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit that was promised in Acts chapter 2 and when they received this gift of the Holy Spirit they were ostracized they were put out of their church they were put out of their denomination they weren't hired for jobs they were put out of the schools when they found out they were Pentecostal but it did not stop them from believing God it did not stop stop them from pushing forward because they knew that we're pushing now, we're plowing now and it's not just for me but it's for the generation coming behind me and we've got to prepare the way. That generation wasn't like this generation. They would fight you. Amen. They would fight you. They'd fight the government. They'd fight the laws. They'd fight everything, right? They'd fight you over your clothes. They'd fight you over a television. Come on, somebody. Their music was militant. They'd sing songs. I thought Caitlin gonna go old school on us there for a minute. But they'd sing militant songs. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Huh? How about if you're in the battle for the Lord and right? Keep on the firing line. If you're going to win, my brother, you got to roll up your sleeves and fight. Just keep on the firing line. Amen. There, there, there was errors. There was mistakes. But I want to stand tonight and thank a previous generation for being willing to fight and prepare the way. Amen. Someone was on the battlefield and said, we're not going to let the devil have this generation. We're going to believe God for our sons and our daughters, and we're not going to allow them to die and go into eternity lost and undone. The challenge is whenever you are fighting all of your life, sometimes it's hard to quit fighting. And the question is, how many generations are we going to lose because before we learn how to work together? How long are we going to argue about things that don't really matter? Previous generations worked hard and they were faithful and committed, but they don't want to change. They don't want nothing to change. 
I know I'm not talking to folk here. I'm talking about folk over at my place. <laughs> so, Pastor, we don't want it to change. I said, well, are you still driving a 1962 with no heat, no air? Why are you driving that nice Buick for if you don't want things to change? It, 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 it sounds good. It sounds good in the church, but apply that to everywhere else in your life. And all of a sudden, it don't sound so good. Amen. As a, you see things change, and everything's not for the good. I mean, my Lord, as a parent, I want to protect my children. I know they're, they're older now, but I want to protect them. I, I, want, I want to put them in a room, lock and key, amen, and let them out when they turn about 32. Because I can't go everywhere they are. And I, and I see all these things that are raging in our world today. And if it doesn't cause concern for you, then, then something may be wrong. But you see, I, I do know that I can't go with them, but I can tell them that God is for you and not against you. I can tell them greater is he that is in you than all of the world that will ever come against you. Amen. I can teach them that when you don't know what to do, don't run, but plant your feet in the word of God and call on the name of Jesus. And he will make those things that are impossible possible because he is the great I am. Come on, somebody. And while this generation being attacked so young is, and so hard because, you see, they are dealing with things today that we never dealt with until we were up in our age, until we were adults. But now they're being attacked in primary school. They're being attacked and they're showing all kinds of things on television to try to attack their little mind and try to get them off of the Word of God. But I want to tell you today that to preach the word of God, teach the word of God, live the word of God and allow the word of God to live in their life and God will bring them through. Amen. Why is it that the enemy is fighting this generation so hard? It's because they've got a double blessing that's coming. Because when Elisha, he gets a hold of the word of the Lord for his life, He's going to do twice the miracles that Elijah did. Elijah says now has a double portion and he has the same anointing. I want you to get this. He has the same anointing as Elijah, but he is in a different season of his life. And as a result of being a different season or a different generation, but having the same anointing, he is called to do something different. Elisha starts where Elijah stopped. He goes and he splits the waters and then he brings healing to the waters. And, and Elijah, you know, he was a different, in a different season. He, he would call fire down on you in a quick and in a hurry. Right, He would bring order. He would bring structure. And sometimes whenever you are called to bring order and structure to a place, you, you can cause more enemies than you ever planned on causing. But, but it will stir up some things. But you got to be willing to go through it to, to establish a thing so that, that another generation that is coming 
can speak words of healing and words of blessing into their generation's life. It's a good thing to know that there is a generation coming that God is going to pour his spirit out upon that is going to bring healing to the waters, that is going to bring healing, hallelujah, to the areas where that we have had to fight our way through, but there is healing coming, there is blessing coming because God intended it to be so. Amen. This generation that is now coming on the scene is coming and bringing creativity. They're bringing fresh energy. This generation knows how to set the atmosphere. They know the importance of connecting with people where they are. Everywhere else through the week, this 21st century, they, they, they have state-of-the-art everything, the newest technology. Kids can sit in their classrooms and talk to people in China on a whiteboard. This generation has the best of sound. They have surround sound. They have all of these different things. They're very creative. They have fresh ideas. I love surrounding. The older I get, the more I like young people around me. Come on. Because they have a freshness. They have creativity. And I just sit in a room and listen to them because there, there's something that uh, uh, helps me to be able to, to come to where they are and understand why we need to do what we're doing. We've just got to get this generations together. At all times, there are, I believe, three generations running simultaneously in the earth. There's a generation that is coming. There is a generation that is living. And there is a generation that is fading. And we need them all in our life and in the church. When you look at the book of Esther, it is not just about Esther, but it is a picture of a Mordecai fathering an Esther to save a nation. If there's ever a time when we need generations to come together to save a nation, it's in America right now. We look at Moses and Joshua and every generation sets the next generation up either for success or for failure. Moses understood that he had to set up this next generation for their blessing. And when he came to Rephim, the Bible says they go to war and it is then that Moses chooses Joshua. And Moses didn't tell Joshua, hey, look, you're going to be the next leader. So you need to do what I tell you to do. Because if you are faithful because of the promise of promotion, then you're ambitious and not faithful. But he tells Joshua, I want you to choose men because he wanted to see how Joshua would choose people, right? Because if you can't choose people and read people, then you can't lead people. And so he said, I want to see what he's got. I want to see the kind of people. And, and so he allowed Joshua to choose the people, not just for him, but for everyone. What kind of people are you surrounding yourself with? Joshua is doing the choosing, but he's choosing for all of them. Amen. And I'm going to go up to the mountain, Moses says, and I'm going to take the rod of God with me and I am going to have that authority in my hand and I'm going to hold my hands up, right? 
And Moses goes up to the top of the mountain. He holds his hands up. And as long as his hands are up, they're winning the battle. Israel is winning. But when his hands comes down, Israel starts losing the battle. Notice the battle does not turn on Joshua's strength. The battle turn does, not, or does not turn on Joshua's ability. But it turns on Moses, the spiritual father, being in his place. And when Moses was in his place, sitting on the rock with his hands lifted up, it, it didn't matter what Joshua was capable of. It didn't matter if he could war or not war. It, when that spiritual father was in his place, the spiritual sons were in the valley winning. Amen. And so they get Moses on the rock and the generation, they begin to train them they begin to show them how to war amen and he begins to set on that rock and as long as he was on that rock with his hands lifted up amen that generation was winning but when his hands would fall the Joshua was begin to die in the valley I want to say to you today uh, that we need spiritual mothers and fathers in the house of God that will not come off of the rock that will hold steadfast and unmovable no matter what comes what goes what feels good feels bad amen you got to understand when you set out to destroy a generation you have to undermine what their authority is you've got to undermine what their value system is and this generation has been uh, so familiar with uh, coming this, this undermining of the scripture this undermining of the word of God ever since they have been born that's the reason why that we have a generation that says there is no God that's the reason why we've got a generation that says we don't care about God because the very value and the very source of our strength the rock that we build everything upon right because if we define our families by scripture if we define our money by scripture if we define our relationship by scripture if I'm going to destroy you then I've got to just get you off of that rock amen and we have many preachers today many fathers that have moved off of the rock preachers are preaching a feel good gospel that has no life or no victory but if we're going to set this next generation up for success we've got to have some men we've got to have some fathers we've got to have some mothers we've got to have some leaders that'll get on the rock and not come off for nobody say I believe the word of the Lord and I'll stand upon the word of the Lord we're living in a generation now that are bringing about gender benders who want to make women out of our boys and boys out of our women and we've somebody's got to stand up and say the devil is a liar amen you got to know the word of the Lord and say he is true and I'm going to stand on his word Come on and praise him right here tonight. This kind of foolish preaching and teaching has caused weak men and strong women. And whenever I was dating, I never dated anybody that looked like they could whip me. Come on, somebody. I don't know where that came from. But I got to get back. 
The problem is this. When you throw the foundation away, anything becomes possible. The Bible is our foundation. If you throw the foundation out, anything opens up to you. There are no absolutes. And when you throw the foundation out, the next generation no longer has a solid, firm foundation in which to build upon. Amen. They will build upon shifting sand that will not stand in the time of the storm. But if I'm going to raise up another generation, then I've got to keep my feet on the rock. I've got to keep planted in the word of God. Amen. We can't allow another generation to be raised up under leadership that don't believe the word of God. That don't believe that it is the absolute word. Amen. That don't believe that there is a death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. People go to seminary. Amen. Full of faith and they come out. Amen. With doubters. Why? Because they just go in there and some professor talks them out of what they believe. But I want you to know today we need to tell them and talk about the miracles that God has done in our life. We need to tell them that God still does signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. You see we the problem is we have too few apostolic fathers and people who are preaching the Bible amen people that are living a Christian life but I want to tell you today as a result the church is filled with astrology it's filled with all kinds of ethics or no ethics people that have moral failures sin and liars and deceivers but I'm telling you today it's time to return to the rock believe the word of the Lord stand upon his word and say to live as Christ and me to die is gain but I will not get off of this rock amen Moses stayed on the rock and when his hands were up they would grow heavy and when they would fall down the Joshua was die in the valley 1700 people leave the ministry every month Moses we need you Generations are coming and we need faithful people in the house of God. Some people tell me, well, pastor, I just don't need Wednesday night. I said, well, what about quit being so selfish and what if somebody else needs you to be in the house of God? What if, what if somebody else needs you to be an example? Is it okay if, if, if you don't need me? Is it okay if I need you to be an example, to be a witness? to help me along this journey. Amen. You see, I'm telling you today that generations must come together. I remember growing up, uh, Pastor, we learned how to worship God mimicking somebody else. Is it true? I mean, we, would, we, we, we didn't even know what was going on, but we knew how to mimic other folks that did. Huh? And they would begin to worship God and they would begin to bless God and we would start acting like they were and we had some mighty good church services at home in the basement mimicking somebody else. Let me ask you something. Is your worship worthy of being mimicked? Do you do enough in the house of God for your children to go home and act like you act? Rejoice like you rejoice? Or would they just have to be mummified? 
You see, I'm telling you tonight, we need to return back to a place where that we believe God's word and we say we're not just doing it for ourselves, we're doing it for another generation. Mary and Elizabeth came in Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. It says, And an angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. And therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who is called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary is very young, 13 to 16 years old. Elizabeth is well stricken in years. Mary is a teenager. Elizabeth is an older woman, but they're related. And both generations are pregnant at the same time. Mary didn't do nothing to get pregnant. She just in her room and whoop, there it is. Explain that one. Elizabeth, on the other hand, she's working it. She's trying. She's doing everything she knows to do, right? Are you with me? She's, she's working hard and nothing is happening. We have two generations pregnant at the same time. One generation has been trying for a long time. And then now there comes another generation and it seems like they haven't done a thing. And God's blessing them so easily. They haven't fasted. They ain't been to all night prayer. Huh? They haven't, they haven't been through the tough times and they just show up at church and look at there what God's doing for them. You got to be careful. You got to be careful because you see, you, you, you say, well, Pastor, you know, I've been pushing and I've been plowing and I can't get nothing. I'm still barren, right? But you have to be careful not to allow the enemy to divide you because the next generation receives by inheritance what you got from work. There ought to be something that's transferred to the next generation. There ought to be something when the mantle is properly transferred to the next generation without gaps. Amen. There is connectivity and power. The anointing doubles from Elijah to Elisha. Just think what Gehazi could have been walking in had he received the anointing and the power that was on Elisha's life. Had he stayed connected to the previous generation, Pastor, what kind of power would Gehazi walked in? You see, it's important tonight, my brothers and sisters, it's important, young people, amen, to stay connected to the previous generation. It's God's plan for every generation to double. Amen. I am where I am tonight, not because Brian Matthews is all of that in a bag of chips and some government cheese. I am where I am tonight, Pastor Bev, because of my father, 
because of my grandparents, because of other people, pastor, that believed in me when I didn't even believe in myself and poured into my life. And I stand here on this platform tonight, not by myself, but on the shoulders of others that have invested in my life and said, run and fight the good fight. Amen. And so I want to say to you tonight that it is God's plan for every generation to supersede. It is my desire, my, one of the greatest joys of my father was watching as God would use me to see barriers broken that he wasn't able or necessarily able to get through in his generation but whenever God would bless us to break through them pastor they weren't setting back saying oh, why didn't God bless me like that how come it come no no he was my greatest cheerleader he was saying run on run on and I want to say to you tonight that I fully expect my son if God tarries and my daughter-in-law to run on with this gospel and see greater things and I I've ever seen in my life. Why? Because it's God's will for a double portion of his anointing to come upon the next generation. Amen. Mary was the one that everyone was looking at. She was the the one all the press wanted to talk to. She's the one that got all the attention. But what they did not know is the elder woman six months ahead of her at the right time the elder woman six months ahead of the younger receives the promise of God over her life and God told Mary you need to get connected with Elizabeth because there's something in you that no one in your generation is going to understand amen all my life, I was confused, Pastor. You, you, you know, you can relate to this. I was always hanging out with the older folks. I was always hanging out with folks that it didn't make no sense. I, I never could be a youth pastor because they get on my nerve. Amen. I was young myself. I was 15 when I started preaching the gospel. But, but there was just something, and I never understood that until I began to understand this revelation. God tells Mary, says, Mary, you need to get with Elizabeth because there's nobody in your generation that understands what's in you. You can't just hook up with anybody. you got to hook up with somebody that's got in them what you've got in you. Amen. And here, here Elizabeth is, and she's running six months ahead of Mary. Amen. And Mary, you need to connect with Elizabeth. Amen. Why? Because she knows what you're going through. Amen. She knows what you're going through. Isn't it good to have somebody you can connect with that knows what you're going through? I can see Mary coming to Elizabeth at 2 o'clock in the morning craving pickles saying, Elizabeth, I think I'm losing my mind. I'm wanting to pickle. And she said, oh, baby girl, it's all right. I've been through that six months ago. You're going to be all right. You just keep on running. Keep on doing your thing. It's going to be all right. Every once in a while, you need somebody in your life that has a testimony of the test that you're going through right now has a word of deliverance that said God had brought me through it and he can bring you through it. Amen. Praise God. You see, Mary was the younger generation walking in the presence of a previous generation. And the Bible says that she greeted her or she honored her. Amen. What you honor and you respect is going to come to you. 
Some people say, well, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You don't have to worry. You ain't never going to get it. Because what you dishonor won't never come around you. But whatever you honor will be drawn to you. Amen. And so whenever I was growing up, Pastor, I would find people that, that I felt like the call of God. I, I, for an example, you know, I, I'm not a world-renowned preacher or nothing, but I felt like I was called to the nations. And so I found me somebody that had that on them, that DNA in them. And I attached myself to them. And I said, I want to serve you. And I'd go to the mission field. I wouldn't want to preach. I wouldn't. I'd just carry his bag. I'd just make sure he had it easy and be arrested, give him whatever he needed because I knew that God was calling me to do this thing and I wanted to bless the man of God. I wanted to serve them because I needed that anointing on my life. I want to tell you that what you respect, God will cause it to come into your life. Amen. And what we see is the purpose of what is, what's in Elizabeth is to make room for what is in Mary. But the thing that is in Mary, it looks like it's dead because it hasn't leaped for a long time. And it does not leap until it is saluted by Mary. Are you walking with me? And what's in Mary can bring life to what's in Elizabeth. So what's in Elizabeth can prepare the way for what's in Mary. Amen, I'm telling you, we need one another. And if we'll get together, we, we, you may not need me now. You may not look like you need my gift now, but I promise you, baby, if you live long enough, you're gonna need what I've got. And I'm gonna need what you've got to get to where God wants us to get together. Amen, and so I wanna tell you today that it will begin to come together as generations and say we're not gonna be bound by these things that have held us in the past, but we're going to believe God for what he desires for us to do. We're going to see the exceedingly and abundantly and above all that he has for us in our lives. The Bible said when this generation came, these generations came together. Did you notice it? When these generations came together, when Mary and Elizabeth came together, it said then with God all things are possible. When generations come together, all things are possible. We come together and nothing can separate us. Nothing can divide us. Can you handle any more? Judges chapter 16. The Philistines have taken him prisoner. And the first thing they do is put out his eyes. Talking about Samson. By this time, Samson no longer a young man. He's been ruling for some 20 years. He's not as young as he used to be. And after 20 years of seeing the power of God and the working in his life, he finds himself in a place he's never been before. He finds himself stuck. Have you ever got stuck? Going in circles, making no progress. Can you relate? Still doing what you've always been doing, but you're stuck. You're praying, but you're stuck. You're reading, but you're stuck. You're coming to church, but you're stuck. You're pushing, you're moving, but you're making no progress. And many times, like Samson, we, we take for granted God's anointing and his grace upon our lives. Samson is now not young as he once was. 
He's lost his sight. He's lost his vision. And it's hard to understand another generation sometimes. Are you with me? You get different generations. I can relate to my grandfather's generation. I can relate to my dad's generation. But it's hard for me to understand generations coming behind me. Amen. My son, he's moved out of the house. But I remember whenever he was in the house and, and he was, he never, you know, he always listened to Christian music and thank God and all of that. But he was playing something in there one day and I thought there was a devil in his room. I said, what in the world is that, son? He said, that's skillet. Is that right? Is it skillet? Yeah. That's crazy right up in there. I can't, I can't relate to generations. Can, are you with me tonight? I can relate to generations ahead better than I can relate to generations that are coming behind me. I relate to that very much more. Why is it? Because we're on a faster pace than we've ever been before. Technology and the barrier of technology, you can give a baby at two, at two years old a, a smartphone and they'll learn how to find movies on it. I'd do good to call you. <laughs> Samson was grinding at the meal, going in circles. Watch this. And he did not ask a previous generation for help because the fight wasn't about what had been. The fight was over what was to come. So Samson asked a younger generation to come and to help him to fight about the future. The Bible says that he asked a lad or a kid to come and to take his hands and lead him to the pillar or to the foundation. I don't know what that represents to you, but what it speaks to me of is the strongholds. Amen. And he was, and Samson was saying, son, I'm not as young as I used to be. I don't have the strength and the quickness that I used to, but I can't see what you're seeing. I don't have vision like you do, but I still have something in me. And if you will lead me to the pillars, if you'll lead me to the strongholds of your generation, Hallelujah. I'm telling you today that God is raising you up. Mother and father, he is raising up Bethel Family Worship Center, not for what is behind you, but to break generational barriers off of people that are yet ahead of you. Amen. And Samson said, if you'll lead me to the pillar, if you'll show me the stronghold that is in your life, then I am able, I have the anointing, I have the power because I remember what brought me victory in days past. Amen. I'm not as young as I was, but I remember how to fight a lion. I remember how to take the jawbone of a donkey and slay a thousand men. If you will just lead me to your stronghold, I'll tear it down so this generation can serve the Lord. So you can be blessed. So that you can know the goodness and the power of God. I tell you today that we, we may lose a lot of things. We may not be as swift as we used to be but never give up the power of prayer. Never lose the ability to relate to another generation and say I may not be able to understand you but just
just lead me to the thing that is hindering you and I've got the anointing. I've got the power of God to destroy the yoke and remove the burden so that your generation can be set free. Amen. We must rise up together and fight in this generation. And we must be a multi-generational church that says we will fight together. Amen. I said we will fight together. Why, Pastor? Because I want to tell you that our generational blessing is still lingering over our head. What is it? It is Acts 2. In this last day saith God, I will, by the way, it's a multi-generational blessing. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. huh? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams and all my servants and handmen I'm telling you it's a multi-generational blessing that the world has never seen but I want to tell you in the face of the devil tonight that's been fighting and raging against the church it's high time for the body to come together it's time for generations to rise up and say I'm willing to fight hand in hand and we're going to take down the strongholds and we're going to see not just a revival but we're going to see an awakening in America where we're going to see people being poured in. Sons and daughters are going to be saved. People are going to come in on Sunday morning drunk and leave here full of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because this is our hour. This is our season. This is our time. We haven't come to this place to weary and go down broke, busted and disgusted, but we're leaving here in a shout. We're leaving here rejoicing. We're leaving here knowing that our God is the only God and he lives and he reigns forever. Oh, somebody believe it. Give him a little praise right here tonight. Oh, come on, give him praise tonight. In this last day, there's going to be a hunger that's going to supersede anything we have ever seen before. And I'm ready for it. I said I'm ready for it. I don't know how you pray, but I'm we're a little weary of just having church and going through the motions. Oh, thank God for just a little bit here and there. But I've done invested too much. <laughs> I said I've done invested too much just to get a little dab or do ya. I've got enough seed in the ground. I've preached this word for over 38 years. And I'm telling you, I've never seen the harvest that is yet to come to me. The devil is a liar. I'm not going to go out with a broke church. I'm not going to go out with a halfway church. I'm not going out with just one generation. But the spirit of Moses has come upon me. Amen. And the only Pharaoh, when I leave here, I'm not leaving my fear and family behind. I'm not leaving my children behind. I'm not leaving one hoof behind but everything that belongs to me we're going to take it with us glory to God you need to to fight for your family fight for your children fight for this city and say devil you can't have Indianapolis you can't have my church you can't have my family God is calling me to see a great awakening in this last day oh come on and praise him right up in here 
I'm almost done. I'm almost done. And I want to tell you tonight that God sent me all the way from the clay hills of West Virginia to tell some Elizabeth in this, don't get caught up on gender. But you sent me here tonight to tell some Elizabeth that promise that hasn't felt it leap in a long time. That word of God over your life that you thought was dead and would never live again. The Holy Spirit has sent me here tonight to tell Elizabeth, it's time for you to come alive again. The word of the Lord, hey, 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 hey. The word of the Lord is coming alive in you again. Don't you grow weary in well-doing, for in this season, you're gonna reap the harvest. Amen. And I've come to talk to some Marys tonight. You feel like you're too young, but the Lord has visited you in your secret place. He has visited you in your quiet place. And you've got, uh, you've got pregnant with the word of the Lord. And the word of God's got to come out of you. Amen. Don't let nobody despise your youth because God is going to use multi-generations to see his goodness coming into the earth. Oh, stand with me tonight and give God a praise if you believe it. Oh, come on and give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Open your mouth. Come on, let it be a multi-generational praise. Oh, we bless you, oh God. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, my enemy would have already devoured me. But when he came to devour me, greater was he that was in me than all the hell that came against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Every lying tongue will be destroyed in the day of judgment. Why? Because God is for me. Hallelujah. I don't know who I come to talk to tonight. And it may just be one person. It may just be two people. But I come to talk to some Elizabeths and some Marys and tell you this is the hour of awakening. This is your season. You see, all the devil wants to put on us is all this fear, anxiety, and worry. Why do you think he's fighting so hard? Because he believes in the church more than we believe in the church. He knows the power of the body of Christ when we come together. But I've got bad news for the devil. I said I've got real bad news for the devil. Because God's going to have an army. He's going to have a church. He's going to have a people that's going to do exploit in this last day. Amen. If I went on what I've seen, I'm almost done, Pastor. If I went on what I seen and what I felt, I would give up and quit and go sell real estate. But there's something in my spirit that won't let me quit preaching to God. There's something down inside of me that says there's more to God than eyes have seen and ears have heard. And it's just around the corner and I'm not giving up now. Hey! I said I'm not giving up now. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And this is your due season. This is your due season. This is your due season. Believe God for the miracle that's over your life. Hey. Oh, come on. You believe it. Give him some praise right here. Give him some praise right here. 
Elizabeth at? Who do I come to talk to? Amen. It's been a long time since you felt a kick. It's been that you've believed God for it. The word of God was alive, but it's been a long time. I'm not talking about gender tonight. Where's my Elizabeth at? Come on. Come on. Where's my Mary's at? The enemy would try to even intimidate you and say you're too young. It ain't all of that. You don't have to worry, but don't worry about your generation understanding you. It's not about that. You're going to be the one that's going to run ahead of them and break this thing open so they can experience the goodness of God. I know what it is to be a young boy preaching the gospel, and they laugh at me. I remember going to school, and they'd say, there's that preacher boy. One of them would call me preacher boy all the time and it wasn't a good thing, it was derogatory. But pastor, one day, David met me at the door and he didn't call me preacher boy, he said, Brian. And tears streaming down his face. I said, what is it, David? He said, they said, my mama's got cancer and gonna die. I said, that God you're talking about, can he heal her? I said, oh, David, he can heal her. He's God over cancer. Oh, pastor, (laughs) he's got over cancer. He can do it. He can do it. I've seen him coming down, not at an altar, but over there on a bench. It was in our locker room and gave his life to Christ. Mike almost said his last name, but Mike, he was a big old boy. You think I'm big. He was big. He found out I was preaching at a town close to him, and he said... He said, Brian, he said, I'm going to church with you tonight. And I said, all right, Mike, when you, he's that big, you don't argue with him. He said, you're taking me. I said, all right, Mike. I'll never forget it. He said, over on the right-hand side, about three-quarters of the way back. And whenever I gave the altar invitation, that big old boy was the first one walking down that aisle. And he came to me and motioned to me like this. And he said, Brian... He said, I don't know what you preach tonight. He said, I don't know nothing about this God that you talk about. But he said, I want what you've got in my life. They may act like you're crazy. They may act like Mary. They may act like they don't want what you, but they're looking at you and they're wanting what you've got. Don't let them despise your day of youth. I feel it tonight. I feel it. It's about time. Generations are going to come in this house together. We're coming together. I need my Elizabeths to come and I need my Marys to come. Not gender, not, not gender but you just say, I, I need that tonight. I need my baby to leap again. I need to have faith for God again. I, come on, Elizabeth. Come on. Come on. You don't have to wait for nobody else but you. Come on. Say, that's me. That's me. Amen. That's me. Come on. I need some Elizabeths here tonight. Come on. It's been a long time. I know I have the word of the Lord over my life, but it's been a long time since I felt it moving. Thought it was dead, but the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to me tonight. Amen. Come on, Elizabeths. And I want my Marys to come. 
our young people you say the word of the Lord is over my life been intimidated been fearful hallelujah how you doing can you come just a moment I don't know you you're a beautiful young lady amen you haven't got here easily but there's been some things held back in your life that God has promised you amen and they haven't come to pass yet but I'm telling you the anointing of the Lord is upon you for this season uh, and you're about to see doors swing open and you're gonna see the favor of God like you've never seen before there's been times when you said God where are you when's it gonna happen but I'm telling you daughter of God this is your season God's about to do something exceedingly abundantly and it's not going to just be with you but it's going to be for your family amen I don't know your family but I'm telling you they're watching you and they're going to see the goodness of God and it's going to bring many to Christ amen hallelujah just raise your hands father I thank you for this daughter of God I thank you for what you're doing for her in this season God it hasn't been easy but God you've been faithful and I thank you <laughs> I thank you for what you're about to do you're about to blow her mind hallelujah as she sees your goodness not only upon her but this this blessing is not just for her but for her family hallelujah in the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah glory to God glory to God won't he do it hallelujah this is what I want us to do I don't know how many maybe we can get an Elizabeth to find a Mary can we do that I don't know how you don't have to go asking how old somebody is just find somebody you think might be from a different generation or close and if you can't just join hands with somebody you're coming to agreement with somebody amen hallelujah church will you stick with me just a moment I won't be long I promise but I, have, I want to fulfill this assignment tonight. Amen. Let's just raise our hands together in an atmosphere of worship right here. And I want you to pray over one another. I want you to ask God to stir up the gift of God that is in this generation. Make it real to them now. Make it real to them now. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center.